0: profit. I know words, I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I'm fired up today. I'm gonna to pick up on sort of where I left off with the whole multi-part series on taxation. I think I have already done an episode on on why I believe taxation is theft, and today I want to address a couple of the more common arguments you get as a retort to that, namely the the, the two big ones that um, taxes are the the price we pay to live in a civilized society and the, the existence of this mystical social contract. So I'm pretty excited for today's episode. I'm flying solo today, so let's just dive right into it. Okay, well what about the fact that taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society? This is one of those very common, um, common lemming arguments or retorts you will get. If you ever say taxation is theft or you ever question the the government's right to tax, they'll, they'll inevitably come back with taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society. And this is a famous Oliver Wendell Holmes quote from a Supreme Court ruling in 1927. He actually said, like, this was in his opinion. He wrote this down, and it has just carried... It has carried through the times for the last uh, almost 100 years, and that's 90 years. People just repeat it like gospel. Taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society. You know, at the time, at the time of that quote, 1927, um, tax rates were at 1% for most, for most people. So, I mean, first thing I would do is ask you, at what rate does civilization cost? Because nobody gets to pay 1% anymore civilization seems to be getting a lot more expensive. If we're civilized at 1%, what are we at 10%, 20%, 30%, 90%? What are you we, ultra-civilized? We're the super-civilized civilization? Does that sound like the United States? Are we 40 times more civilized now than we were back in the 1920s? Maybe in like a couple aspects of life, but what everything the government does is so less civilized than... What was happening um, before the 1920s? And were we and were we uncivilized before we had the income tax? Because we've only had the income tax since 1913. So, so what were we? If taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society, what society did we have from 1776 to 1913? That 140 years or whatever it is. Were we uncivilized? I'm sure some people would argue that we were. Because there was, you know, slavery for a big portion of that. That's pretty uncivilized. But what about what the government does with the tax money? And you know, I was saying, are we forty times more civilized than we were in the nineteen twenties? But think of all the things that the government does with the tax money. Is that civilized? I mean, they steal it in the first place. I just went over an excruciating detail how taxation is theft. Is legalized theft civilized? About bombing third world countries. Bombing democracy in every brown country on the face of the earth. Is that civilized? But locking people in cages for victimless crimes. You know, drug violations. Mar- smoking marijuana. Having a plant in your house. Spending 10, 20 years in prison because you had a plant. Is that civilized? Stop and frisk. That's civilized? Unreasonable search and seizures. Or mandatory minimums. Regardless of how many priors you have or if it's a, a violent or a nonviolent crime they could just lock you up for a certain number of years I, I know when i was in virginia they had mandatory minimums for you know like psychedelic drugs it was 10 years 10 years for like dropping acid any of that sounds civilized to you or what about you know these SWAT raids that they do on people's you know people's houses because they get um you know they get some tip that you had an illegal substance in your house they come over at the ass crack at dawn knock down your door shoot your dog how's that how is that civilized only the government could construe that kind of abuse with a civilized society with being civil to one another only the government can get away with that sort of stuff anybody else tries to do that it's kidnapping you know you're bombing countries you're declaring war it's mass murder <laughs> Only when it comes to government do we give the, all these special exceptions for their behavior. Yeah, kidnapping, mass murder—that's that's all civilized society, right? This would all be highly illegal for any individual person to do, and not only illegal, highly immoral as well. Yet when it comes to the government, we make all these exceptions because okay, they got shiny uniforms on, or they wear they wear fancy robes. We're like the high priests of society. We have this social contract with our wise overlords that allows them to treat us this way as if you know, because we've consented to it. Even if you believe in the social contract, which which you shouldn't by the end of this episode, but let's say for the sake of argument that we you know we've delegated some of our rights and responsibilities to government in exchange for, you know, protection of all these liberties, right? And providing, you know, the basic functions of government, basic services, things like that. How? If it's, if it's elite, if we don't have the right to do something, like we don't have the right to steal from people. We don't have the right to kidnap people and lock them in cages for nonviolent crimes. We don't have the right to kill people. So how can we delegate those rights to a government? We, ha- we have to have the right in the first place to do it before we can delegate it to somebody else. So this whole thing is just ridiculous on its face. You just have to think about it. I mean, I know I talk about this all the time, but the entire existence of the state is predicated on violence. They have a legalized monopoly on the use of force. <laughs> so what you tell me, what about violent extortion is civilized? This is just so ridiculous. And everybody, people just say it. They just repeat the mantra that they've been taught in school, that they've, that they've heard, you know, they've had beaten into their heads, metaphorically speaking, obviously. Oh, and <laughs> speaking of uncivilized, I almost forgot that you're treated like a criminal. You're guilty until proven innocent. We went over that with the IRS for not filing your taxes. Or filing them incorrectly, you're guilty until proven innocent. This whole thing about innocent until proven guilty—it's always been kind of odd to me how you have to sit in prison if you're supposedly considered innocent until proven guilty. I mean, obviously, that's only in the you know, the eyes of the of the courts that you're innocent until proven guilty. Like the eyes of the jury, the cops aren't going to arrest you if they think you're innocent. But just it, it, it never sat right with me that. Yeah, sure. You're innocent until proven guilty, but you're gonna you're gonna spend years in prison waiting for your trial to prove your innocence. But yeah, so you're especially when it comes to tax law with the IRS, you're completely guilty until proven innocent. They'll just take money out of your bank accounts. They'll garnish your wages. This happened to my sister a couple years ago. They just went into her account and took like twenty five hundred bucks. Just took it. She didn't even have it in the account. They overdrew it. They overdrew the account. So not only did they just steal $2,500 from her, um, they overdrew her account in the process. So she had you know, overdraft fees to pay. And they were completely wrong in the first place. It, they thought that she didn't file a tax return, but my, my parents were still claiming her as a dependent at the time. So she didn't have to file. That stopped them from just going in and taking the money out of her bank account? That's what they can do. Is that civilization to you guys? That's civilized? That's, that, that's what we get? For our for our hard earned tax dollars, <laughs> the privilege to just be figuratively sodomized by the government. Yeah, sure. Our tax dollars provide uh, a government court system, police a police force, national defense, and you know, fu- police and fire, education, national defense. You want to talk about those things? Anybody been involved in a a lawsuit? Been involved in the court system lately? Is there anything that's more corrupt and inefficient than the government-run court system? Well, I mean, there probably is. But think of how how worthless the court system is to the average citizen, the average taxpayer. It's so, so corrupt and inefficient that it, you have to have millions of dollars to, to actually be able to use it. The most frivolous lawsuits can cost you tens of thousands of dollars, minimum. I mean, tra- like, listen to some of these divorce You can't even get divorced. You know, it costs you. It costs you fifty, sixty grand just to get divorced. That these lawyers have completely corrupted the government's court system, police, police and fire. Right? Yeah. The think of think of everything that the police do. Is there one person? Well, aside from those those like bootlicking th- Blue Lives Matter people, is there anybody? Anybody else in the country that's happy with the job the police are doing? If you're driving, if you're driving down the road and you see a cop in your rearview mirror, is your first reaction, "Oh, thank God, there's a cop back there." You know, now I feel safe. I feel protected. <laughs> or is it, "Oh shit, how fast was I going? Am I in the am I in the right lane? Do I have the right stickers? Am I is my registration up to date?" Or are you just going to panic mode, thinking how they're going to shake you down. Heart rate goes up. That's the police for it. That's 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 civilized society getting pulled over for doing absolutely nothing, going five miles an hour over the speed limit, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. Or you didn't come to a complete stop at a stop sign, jaywalking tickets, stop and frisk. I smell marijuana so now I can, uh, you know, illegally search your car <laughs> if you resist, you know, they consider basically breathing as resisting. I'll beat you down, tase you if you're lucky, shoot you if you're not. That's civilized society for you guys? (laughs) I mean, think about it. We basically have an armed paramilitary group prowling around society, looking for people to shake down, looking for people to abuse. I mean, how much worse could a private police force be? (laughs) And yeah, firefighters. Let me give you a start on firefighters. I, I have not seen a firefighter actually fight a fire, except in you know, California, like once a year or whatever, and they have those big firefighters. The rest of the time, they're just sitting up in the fucking firehouse, eating chili and playing poker, collecting their fucking pensions, doing side jobs, construction jobs and stuff like that, lying about their hours, hanging out in the firehouse, um, you know, they just and they attach their fire trucks to, like, every single ambulance call. They they call an ambulance for they're having, like, a heart attack or something, and all of a sudden that, that requires, you know, two fire trucks and an ambulance. They they got nothing better to do. And what happened? Speaking of those California fires, what happened when those fires were raging just recently? I mean, those were, believe me, we need firefighters. Some areas need them a lot more than others. That There was complete devastation in california but what what were the rich people doing they were hiring private firefighters to defend their property because there first of all there wasn't enough there's never enough government um resources right they they always have to um ration they have to they have to pick their battles because they they have to ration their um their resources and so yeah people turn to the the private firefighters to protect their houses when when push came to shove so you get private companies could handle all this stuff and you know you just have all these lemmings out there just repeating this status mantra like right on cue taxes are the price we live for a, uh, the price we pay for a civilized society is there any evidence that taxes are necessary for a civilized society i just ran through a bunch of a bunch of things that most people consider all their tax dollars going to i didn't even get into like all the wars and stuff like that but you know, they go to police and fire. Oh, other things, other things that our tax dollars are going towards that the government screwed up. Education, huge disaster. You know, the, two of the biggest problems that even, you know, people on the left will admit um, people on the left and the right, everybody seems to be in agreement that um, healthcare is a big problem, education is a big problem, right? Now, obviously, they disagree on the solutions to the problems, but they agree that they're problems nonetheless that they're two of the biggest problems facing society right now. Well, name two other industries that the government's more involved in than healthcare and education. Everything they touch, they screw up. So, I mean, is there any evidence that taxes are necessary for a civilized society? You know, one of the the ten planks of communism is a heavily progressive income tax. Anybody out there want to argue how civilized the Soviet Union was? If anything, taxes enable oppressive, brutal regimes to fund their reprehensible behavior and their constant abuse of their citizenry. How long do you think the Nazis could have waged war without taxation? Think of all the hundreds of millions of people slaughtered by governments throughout the 19th and 20th centuries. killed in the, you know, the killing fields in Cambodia, Mao Zedong and his um, his great leap forward. Th- $35 million on the low end, $60 million on the high end. Hitler, Stalin, all funded through taxation. And by the way, we're totally fucking broke. We haven't paid for anything. It all goes on the national credit card. So you might as well say soul-crushing debt is the price we pay for a civilized society. Or maybe even debt slavery is the price we pay. Since the students of today in particular are the ones that are being enslaved by their debt. Since every man, woman, and child is now saddled with so much debt, they've basically been enslaved by the government. How many of you out there have student loans? Can't dispel those in bankruptcy. You got those for the rest of your life. Even after you die, I don't think they go away. So the idea that taxes are funding this is absurd. Even if you like everything the government's doing, all of these programs, taxes aren't funding it. At least not yet. We're funding it through debt. Massive massive debt 22 trillion and counting that's just the bonded debt the unfunded liabilities of your you know the 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 promises that your government has has made to to you for this the, the promises of civilized society <laughs> those are in like the, the i mean nobody knows but the the range of best estimates start at 100 trillion and go up as high as like two 250 so this, this whole notion is absurd but of course, <laughs> it's not going to stop anybody from repeating it to you without even thinking about it. It's, it's almost like a reflex. It's a statist reflex. Um, and it's a, it's a reflex that's followed very closely, if not immediately, immediately, by the social contract. Taxes are okay. Taxes are allowed. Everything the government does has been authorized because of this mystical social contract. And what is the social contract? Well, basically, it, I mean, it's an old idea. This is as old as, like, Socrates. You you, you, you hear these ideas put forth in ancient Greece, but, you know, um, a lot of 16th, 17th, 18th century um, philosophers, like John Locke, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Thomas Hobbes, um, they, they have this idea that there's this social contract, this implicit agreement among the members of society to cooperate with government in exchange for, you know, like, social benefits. So we'll we'll sacrifice some of our individual freedoms and we'll pay you these taxes, and in return, the state provides us with X, Y, and Z. That's That's kind of it in a nutshell. It's this idea that we've consented to government through this implicit agreement, and, you know, government's not being imposed upon us at all and you know therefore since we've consented to this agreement taxation isn't theft taxation isn't theft because of this social contract that we've all implicitly agreed to we've agreed to in a sense exchange taxes for government so therefore it's not theft and i i mean that's that's obviously a very ch- shortened version of social contract theory but that's the gist of it right and that's what's Going to be used to refute my claims that taxation is theft. So let's let's break this. I mean, this just like so many other things that you hear from most people, they just say this as if um, you can declare there's a social contract theory without having to back it up with anything, without having to prove that the, that the contract is there, that it's valid, and that we've consented to it. It's just it's just assumed. So then. Of course, anytime we put forth an argument, it's just like, well, yeah, nice try. Social contract, bro. <laughs> well, there, as I'm going to get into right now, there's more than a few problems with the social contract theory. Because contracts, what makes a contract valid is consent, right? I mean, that, that's, it's a pretty, that's contract 101. Um, have you consented to it? Yes, it's valid. If not, it's not a valid contract. And when libertarians come in and question where they've like where we've given our consent for this infamous social contract, you know, we're all they just dismiss it as if we're being, you know, petty for the sake of argument or something like that. You know, that's not being petty. Just questioning this state narrative (laughs) is not pettiness. We're actually thinking we're thinking for ourselves. I'm sorry, but contract without consent is not a contract. You're just for violently forcing people to do to do something that you want them to do. You're basically the mafia at that point. Enforcing forcing a contract against people that haven't consented to it, social contract is a lot more like something like this: I will give you these services, and you will pay me what I ask you to, no matter how much I ask for, whether you agreed to the contract or not, whether you use the services or not. I mean, that's really, really what's going on here. And even if I do use some of the government services, like I, I drive on the roads, right? Everybody uses the roads to get around. What, what choice do I have? What alternative did I have to um, the government roads? I'm being forced to use them because it's, it's illegal to provide an alternative. The government's made it illegal for me to not use, to, to use somebody else's roads, right? So I'm being placed in an impossible position. We have to get around to live our lives. we got to go to work. What else am I supposed to do? Am I given a choice? Am I given a choice between government roads and private roads? I'd choose private roads if I could. If I can't. Can I hop on a private bus or a private train? Nope. Gotta use the public one. The disgusting public ones that have the bums shitting and pissing everywhere. Yeah. Well, if I'm not given a choice, how can you say that I've consented when (laughs) when I'm, for all intents and purposes, forced into using government services? Because that's the environment that they've created. They've created an environment where only government services can exist for certain things. How can you say I've consented to that if I don't have a choice in whether or not I can use them? And if I don't have a choice in the matter, how can I, you know, how can I show that I'm not consenting? And I'm sorry, but this whole idea... I use the roads and I use the parks or the post office. Forget about the fact that we we also have to pay a user fee when we use things like that. There's tolls on the roads. You have to buy the stamps. Um, Parks have entry fees. Uh, When you go camping in the parks, they charge a fee. drives me crazy. But let's forget all that. But let's say I use the roads and the parks and the post office, and therefore we've consented to be stolen from in exchange for that privilege the mere fact that I've inescapably used some service that I have no choice but to use under circumstances I've been forced into does not mean I've consented to this system any more than any of the millions of prisoners that eat the fucking gruel and moldy bread that they serve you in federal prison have consented to their imprisonment. This is all bullshit to distract from the fact that we are explicitly expressing our non-consent. Oh well, then they'll say that your your consent is implied. It's implied by the fact, by the very fact that you're still here, that you haven't left. Not necessarily that you're using the services, but that you haven't moved away. And this whole idea that we can infer your consent based on your actions. You know, yes, you, you you've never actually signed a contract, but your your consent is implied implied because well, you know, you didn't leave. And you use some of the government services. So, in essence, we've consented to everything the government does because we haven't moved away. Simply by breathing, by existing, by breathing air where we are born, we've consented to all this nonsense. It really is hard for me to put forth these arguments with a straight face. But these are the arguments that you will hear. That this is what most people think. But when you just sit back and think about it for a couple seconds, a couple minutes... I mean, it's pretty clear how ridiculous of an argument they're making. I mean, it's just so bizarre. There's no other part of our lives where we would accept this notion of implied consent. It's just ridiculous. Think about it. You can't even play a fucking video game without having to check that box that says you've consented to their user agreement. Even though you've already gone through the painstaking trouble of purchasing it. Downloading it, then turning on your system, turning on your TV, grabbing the controller, starting the game, you know, et cetera. Nope. We can't just assume that you've consented to do this until you've checked this box, right? Or updating software on your computer and all that stuff. You know, those agreements that nobody ever fucking reads. They just scroll to the bottom of it, check the box, click I accept to whatever nonsense you just put in front of me. You can make a much stronger case that we've you can infer consent from those actions than you can from this implied consent to the social contract. I mean, you don't have to download that software. You don't have to play that video game. You chose to do it. Um, So, I mean, the idea that you have to go through an extra step of consenting to some user agreement, you know, the argument for implied consent there is much stronger than anything put forth from the social contract. Yet when it comes to government, of course... They get their own set of rules, and they can rob you at gunpoint, steal thousands of dollars from you over your lifetime, and all they need to do is assume that you've consented to it. I mean, give you a fucking break. And of course, the government would be the first ones to find some company or rule against them in in one of their government courts of law should they attempt to do anything to you without your explicit consent. You're such fucking hypocrites, man. How How do people not see this? The notion that I, our consent is implied because we're still here is totally ridiculous. You'll, you'll hear this a lot. They'll be like, oh, well, you're free to leave. You're free to leave. Move to Somalia. It's another one we get a lot. Yeah. Well, taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society, and we have this social contract, and if you don't like it, you're free to leave. If you don't leave, then you're consenting to everything that the government does to you that's how the argument goes and <laughs> I mean this is my, my, my first reaction is well, why the hell should I leave why should I be the one that has to leave I'm not the one that's that's expropriating people I'm just sitting here peacefully so as far as I'm concerned I think the government should have to demonstrate their right to steal from us to kidnap us <laughs> throw us in cages you know, to um, conscript us <laughs> before I would have to explain why I deserve to exist in my current state of, of, of peacefully existing. That seems much more reasonable to me. But I mean, I, that, that whole notion's lost on them, of course. It's lost on the Lemmings. <laughs> and it's like, well, where am I supposed to go? What, what, what am I going to do? Go to some other country? that's controlled by some other government where <laughs> when they will as soon as i get there they'll declare that by moving there i've consented to that government i mean this is ridiculous you didn't leave so since you didn't leave you've consented to be ruled right now is that what i've done is that a fair <laughs> is that a fair interpretation of my actions i've consented cuz i mean i i've basically been given the choice between one government or another, right? I can't just go just I can't go to like another planet or something like that where I could have my own plot of land and exist unmolested by government, right? So what have I really done here? Have I consented or, or did I just maybe maybe I just found that that my current government is the least oppressive option I could find. and and staying where I am, that doesn't mean I've consented to be ruled. Not that I've consented to the, all the, the bullshit rules and regulations they're going to impose on me. I just couldn't find a better option. This is the, the, the cleanest shirt in the hamper, as they say. So, yeah, I'll stay where I am. Thanks. I mean, what if we take two different time periods and just sort of smush them together? Let's say Let's say I'm a black Jew living in America during slavery. Now, I'm enslaved on a plantation, right? But in this fictional world that I've just created for this example, <laughs> the only other place that exists is Nazi Germany. So my slave owners don't even need to force me to stay on the plantation, right? They've given me a choice. I, I, can, I can leave the slave labor and go to Auschwitz and spend some time in a Nazi concentration camp or I can stay on the plantation and pick cotton. Well, what, what the fuck do you think I'm gonna do? By staying on the plantation, have I consented to being enslaved? Does that mean that I've accepted the legitimacy of slavery and my master's rule over me because I didn't leave? I don't think so. If you want a more practical example, let's say you watch somebody getting robbed on the street at gunpoint. I mean, there's Chicago. It's pretty common, right? Now, if I'm watching this take place from a distance and the person with the gun pointed at their head reaches into his pocket and hands over his wallet to the robber, Is it fair for me to conclude that he consented to being robbed? I mean, what kind of lunatic would draw that conclusion, or argue that the guy being robbed has accepted the legitimacy of that transaction because he complied with the demands of the man with the gun? I mean, after all, he did give him his money, and he didn't leave. (laughs) I mean, of course not. Not fair. You can't just he he simply preferred being robbed to a gunshot wound and potential death. So he handed over the, his wallet. That's, that's the only interpretation that you can make from that. You can't just extrapolate that, oh, well, he handed him his wallet, he's consented to being robbed. No, no, he was given two terrible choices. It was, one, hand over your wallet and all your possessions and all your, uh, you know, government IDs. Or two, I could shoot you. It doesn't mean you've consented to being robbed. Shouldn't we just leave it at that? <laughs> but this is what they do with taxation. Well, you paid your taxes, therefore you've consented. Or you haven't left, (laughs) therefore you've consented. Your consent is implied. You want to know how I know nobody consents to taxation? I don't have to resort to this this bizarre exercise in mind reading that the government goes into. Because everybody and their mother does everything possible under the law to minimize their tax burden. Even the Bernie Sanders of the world. Go out of their way to pay as little tax as possible. And all these, you know, um, phony millionaires and billionaires that say they want to pay more in taxes, they could. They could just stroke a check to the government right now if they wanted to. Do they? Of course not. They just say, oh, yeah, I should pay more in taxes. And then they get their tax accountant to minimize their their tax burden every single time. That's how I know that nobody consents taxation. Nobody wants to be taxed. That's a pretty fair interpretation of their actions. Not this, you don't have to be a mind reader and and subscribe all these bizarre interpretations onto people's actions. I mean, why resort to having to interpret having to read people's minds? Why resort to that? Why not just listen to them? Listen to their explicit words. Listen to me declaring that I do not consent to this. What about my actual words of dissent? Doesn't that count for anything? Why can't I just pull a Michael Scott and declare it like he does when he's trying to declare bankruptcy? Why can't I do that with government? Why? Well, because they know if they had to rely on that, nobody would consent to taxation. You know, just by the fact that they make these arguments of implied consent, they've indicated that consent is important to them in some way, shape, or form. It carries some moral weight. In their worldview because they brought up the notion of consenting to the social contract. So consent is clearly important to them. It matters. It matters for something. Otherwise they wouldn't even have to pretend that I've, 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 I've tacitly consented, right? What if I explicitly tell everybody that I don't consent to this system? How about that? Then what? Why wouldn't my refusal to consent not override their false interpretations of my actions? I'm sitting here saying I do not consent. And they're bending over backwards, doing all this mental gymnastics to interpret my explicit words of dissent as implied consent. You know, if there's no way for me to express my lack of consent, you know, if openly just coming out and telling them that I do not consent to their bullshit won't suffice, and all I can do is move away, all I can do is move away from them. But then they'll claim that wherever I go, I've consented to all that stuff. So there's, there's no way for me to not consent to something. I have no choice in the matter. They're either going to get me coming or going. And of course, the United States is one of two countries in the world that taxes you on anything you earn in other countries. Even if the day I was born in the U.S., and I, let's say I, I was born, like the next day I moved to Italy. As far as the U.S. government is concerned, I owe them a portion of my income until I renounce my citizenship. So even moving away doesn't rid you of this bullshit consent to this imaginary social social contract. You have to move away and renounce your citizenship. And by the way, the forms to renounce your citizenship, they, they used to be free. They now cost... It's either five hundred or fifteen hundred. I can't remember. It might have gone up to five hundred and not, and then went up to fifteen hundred after that. So, so now I have to pay them a shitload of money to buy my way out of their bullshit contract that I never signed. That's the plan here, and they can charge whatever they want for those forms. They can charge five hundred. They can charge five thousand, fifty thousand. They can make it so absorbent that you can't renounce your citizenship. That it's impossible for you to do so. They could say they could say you can't renounce your citizenship if you have student loan debt. They could, they could say, I can't renounce if I have any debt or tax liabilities. In fact, I'm sure they will make you pay your back taxes before they'd let you leave. If you own a company, they make you do some really crazy stuff. I can't remember exactly what the rules are, but you can't just pick up and leave. Oh no, absolutely not. But You basically have to like pay a portion of, of what the company was valued at or something like that millions and millions of dollars potentially to get out of the, the the social contract that you tacitly consented to just by breathing apparently so they can for all intents and purposes make it impossible for you to uh, renounce your citizenship and therefore it's impossible to not consent to the system and then by their retarded government logic you've somehow just consented to it consented to everything that they do You see how ridiculous this gets when you actually fucking think about all these platitudes that the state has just drilled into your undeveloped brains? And if all that wasn't enough, if everything that I've talked about for the last 20, 30 minutes or whatever it is, isn't enough to destroy this notion that there's this social contract that we've all implicitly agreed to, far smarter people than myself have pointed out that the entire argument for a social contract rests on what's called circular reasoning. It's a logical fallacy. So for any of you who aren't familiar with circular reasoning or a circular argument, it's basically when the conclusion of an argument is used as the the premise of that same argument, meaning that the premise would not work if the conclusion weren't already assumed to be true. And that's exactly what people who argue for the social contract are doing. It, it's like they're saying that the, the social contract exists because of the social contract. There's an anarchist by the name of David Friedman. And I, this is um this is a response that David Friedman wrote. It's on his website, davidfriedman.com. And he points out that by arguing you implicitly agree to anything that the state does simply by remaining in the country, well, that argument only works If the government already has the power to throw you out of the country in the first place, meaning that they own all the territory that it rules, without a social contract, it's hard to see how you can justify such a claim. And until you can justify that claim, you can't get your social contract. So what he's saying here is that the first part of their argument basically implies that the government would have to already possess power over me to physically remove me from the country. The whole claim of the social contract is that it's the contract that gives the government that sort of power. They can't already possess all of the the powers that the contract would give them and then turn around and use that as justification for the social contract existing. First, you have to prove that there is such a contract and then they would get the power from said contract. Otherwise, it's just a circular argument, which is a logical fallacy. I'll give you an example, because I know this, this stuff can be kind of confusing. Let's say I come to you with a contract, right? I'm going to provide you with my awesome podcasting skills twice a week, and in exchange, you'll pay me $50 an episode. Sounds like you're getting a great deal, if I do say so myself. Then I inform you that, that simply by existing, you agree to the contract. But unless you already believed that you had no right to exist without my permission... Why would you feel obligated to pay me? If I just simply say you exist, therefore you've accepted my contract. The implication is that you had no right to exist without my permission. And then if you were to ask me well, what gives me the authority over, you know, what gives me the authority to allow you to exist, and then I say, well, this contract that you just agreed to. That's just ridiculous. You can't have the authority of the agreement before the agreement and then claim that it's the agreement that gives you the authority. It's a circular mindfuck of an argument. I hope I'm explaining it um, in a way that makes sense because it can get kind of confusing. But this whole social contract theory relies on authority that the government gets from us consenting to the supposed social contract. But us consenting to the contract is what gives them the authority. The The premise of their argument is in just as much need of proof or evidence as their conclusion. The whole social contract theory just assumes that it's true. It just assumes that government has all this authority that that a social contract would have granted it. But you have to prove that there's su- there is such a contract. You can't just assert it. I don't accept that there's a contract. I don't believe that it exists. So you have to prove it to me. You can't just assert that it's there and that I've consented to it. It's ridiculous. And what's more, like what if what if what they're doing violates the constitution? Does the social contract cover uh, consent to illegal government actions as well? I mean maybe you do. Let's say you do consent to a strict adherence to the governing documents of this country. They've 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 gone well beyond what they're permitted to do based on the Constitution. So nobody's consented to the monstrosity that we've had today. I mean, even if you wanted to make the argument that, yeah, the people have consented to the government, not, not this government, not this form of government, not this all-powerful all Leviathan that, rule, that, that has interjected itself into every aspect of our daily lives. Nobody consented to that. They don't have constitutional authority to do 90% of the stuff that they're involved in today. So, further further evidence that this whole thing is just a farce. We haven't consented to anything. There is no social contract. This is all just a, a smokescreen. It's all just a bunch of excuses that they use to to distract us from the fact that they are ruling over us. So there you have it. The social contract is bullshit. Taxation is not the price we pay to live in a civilized society. It is, in fact, theft. And I'm going to wrap there. I know there are millions of people out there that need to hear these arguments, so feel free to share the show. If you liked what you heard, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or Stitcher, all that all that good stuff. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, at Peddling Fiction Podcast. And you can sign up to join our private Facebook group, pedaling fiction podcast we, we got a good group of people in there you can discuss these topics further and um, you can also get the the weekly memes there so make sure you join the private facebook group and check out our website pedalingfictionpodcast.com you can sign up for the weekly newsletter there um, check out the show notes page for any links to resources or sources that that you heard during the show and um yeah that's my spiel so, until next time, just keep pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace.